Last preseason in 2022, I inaccurately predicted Nebraska to win the Big Ten West as I thought they were going to be a top 15, top 10 team, a team with one of the better defenses in the country, and the best offense of the now former Scott Frost era. My prediction could not have gone any more wrong, is in the first three games, you already knew that it was not going to survive. Scott Frost laid an egg in Ireland, and Nebraska lost to a team that was winless on American soil, as he gifted Pat Fitzgerald his only win of the season, as Northwestern finished the year 1-11. and The following week, North Dakota came into town, an FCS school, and Nebraska barely escaped them. And then, to close all the insanity out, Scott Frost loses to the GOAT of game managers in Clay Helton at home in Memorial Stadium. And I think for the first time in Nebraska history, they lost a game while scoring 40 points or more. It was complete and utter lunacy. Nebraska was a wretched team last year. And the fact that they beat Iowa when Despite me thinking they would win the West, I predicted them to lose the final game of the regular season at Iowa. The fact that they won that game in the fashion they did was even more confusing and to a certain degree even more disgusting. Even though I was cheering for Nebraska the entire game to pull off what I thought was a very unlikely upset. But they pulled it off thanks to Trey Palmer, Marcus Washington, Casey Thompson, and Ramir Johnson not thanks to the offensive line, or even to the defense, who allowed Caleb Johnson to run all over them like a hot knife through butter. But after that win, Nebraska hired Matt Rule, and I thought that that was a great hire. I think that Matt Rule is going to build up this program back to around, more likely at a minimum, what Bo Pelini had Nebraska at, where they're constantly in contention for placing themselves in the upper quartile of the conference, never really being elite, but being up there, being a competent team, a team that wins nine, ten games every year, more likely than not. I think that's at a minimum what Matt Rule can do, but seeing that he's won 11 games at Baylor, and now he has a lot more talent, he has the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, and a program like Nebraska with rich history, I think he could bring them to greater heights. But it's going to take time. And Nebraska didn't pull a Colorado or even a USC. They're not bringing in extremely highly touted or recruited prospects through the portal or through their most recent high school class. It's going to take longer than a year to rebuild, which is why I'm not predicting them to win the West again. I think they're going to go 7-5, and 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. They'll go to their first bowl game since 2016. And I think there will be this really good feeling surrounding the program, and from there, they'll improve and improve and improve, likely every year for quite some time until the rebuild is complete and Nebraska's identity, for the most part, is set in stone. Though it was proven with other coaches that identity is not always set in stone, coaches evolve and they change, when the rebuild is finished, you have a pretty good idea normally of what you're getting. And I think we don't know that yet for Matt Rule, but I can say that what Nebraska is going to be getting from him is much better than anything they've experienced in the past decade. So today's video is about 
what would need to happen for Nebraska to win the Big Ten West? And what advantages do they have? And what do I think of them? Where do I have them ranked? How tough is their schedule? Like, what is their path to winning the West? This is not me predicting. I want to put that out there. I'm not predicting that they're going to win the West. I think Wisconsin will win the West. And then from there, if I couldn't choose Wisconsin, it would be Iowa. If I couldn't choose Iowa or Wisconsin, it would be Minnesota. Nebraska's my middle of the road, fourth place, Big Ten West school, and they're closer to fifth place Illinois in terms of talent and overall play, in my opinion, than they are to third place Minnesota. I think there's a pretty sizable gap between Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin, that tier, and Nebraska, Illinois, and then Purdue, Northwestern. They're they're, they're pretty down there, I think. Purdue got gutted by the portal, and whether it was Jeff Brom, USC, or other schools where great Purdue players left, and Northwestern is just a dumpster fire, as showcased by their 2022 season. So what does Nebraska have to do to win the Big Ten West? Because I think their best-case scenario involves them winning the Big Ten West. First of all, they have top 30, top 25 talent with the way that they've recruited over the past four seasons. They've used the transfer portal effectively. There are a lot of reasons to like this team. But here are four things that I need to see. And by need to see, I mean I need to see them improve. I need to see the good side of these things. Here are four of them. Number one is the offensive line. If Nebraska wants to win the West this season, their offensive line cannot be trash. It can't be. In fact, I know that they have good skill players, so it could probably be above average or maybe even average, and they could get away with it. But you want the offensive line to be above average because if it's not above average and it's average or worse in the Big Ten West and in the Big Ten period, because Nebraska does play one of the big two, they they host Michigan, if you just have an average offensive line or worse, the Big Ten is going to patty cake you, and your skill players will have no margin for error, and because your run game will be worse off, you won't have game control, and therefore your defense will be on the field longer. And you just need to have a good offensive line. The Big Ten is known for their offensive lines, and being a school that's in the Big Ten, formerly in the Big 12, so their identity isn't as deep in the Big Ten as many other schools are, Nebraska's offensive line was an atrocity. They were 113th in the country in sack rate, 104th in standard down sack rate, and 111th in pass down sack rate. Pass down sack rate or downs where it's pretty obvious that you have to pass the ball. They were also 61st in the country in power success rate, and they're best performance overall in offensive line statistics was pass downs line yards when they had to pass the ball not because of protection but because of the skill players the skill players made the offensive line look good on pass downs because of a guy who rhymes with Arnold Palmer Trey Palmer and his quarterback Casey Thompson and also Marcus Washington and Travis Vokalek Nebraska last year had a great set of skill players. 
their wide receivers, I thought, were really good. In fact, I did not predict Nebraska's wide receivers to be the strength of their offense in 2022. I mainly thought it was going to be an improved offensive line, a great tight end room, most importantly, a great running back room and good quarterback room. I thought that wide receiver, while deep, wasn't going to be the strongest suit by a mile on the offense, and it was. Trey Palmer was a 1,000-yard receiver, and he got drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the sixth round. You can't rely that much on your skill players. The offensive line has to improve. And Nebraska has a new center in Ben Scott, Turner Corcoran, Noradin Nooley, Teddy Prohaska, Bryce Benhart. These are all players who've started on the offensive line before. They're familiar with each other. There might be some chemistry there, if any, but they have a new starting center, a new leader in Ben Scott, and hopefully he can lead this offensive line to greater success. Number two which is very much tied with the offensive line, is the running back room and the run game. Anthony Grant was great. He nearly had 1,000 rushing yards. But against good defenses, a lot of this due to his offensive line, but also due to the fact that while he's good, he doesn't have the X factor that maybe I thought he did entering 2022. But maybe this year he could prove me wrong, and a better offensive line would certainly help his case. He was a non-factor. The run game was a non-factor. It was a non-factor in games with defenses that had a gut. Take, for example, the Iowa game, or the Wisconsin game, or the Michigan game. I mean, all of these defenses, I'm pretty sure, were top 20 in scoring. The Wisconsin game, where Wisconsin won at the last second. Nebraska ran for 2.2 yards per crack. The Michigan game against one of the best defenses in the country. Nebraska averaged 2.6 yards per crack. And most of those were from Chubba Purdy running because Michigan, for whatever reason, in the TCU game sadly exposed this. They have a a problem defending quarterbacks who can run. So from actual running backs, it was probably like one and a half yards per carry. And then finally against Iowa, Ramir Johnson had some success averaging 4.3 yards per carry. But Ramir Johnson had 52 total rushing yards. Nebraska as a whole had 51 rushing yards, and they averaged 1.5 yards per crack. The run game was virtually non-existent in big games. It just was, and it struggled against Northwestern when Anthony Grant, you know, couldn't break tackles. It struggled in every game. Every game struggled against Oklahoma, whose defense was morbid, struggled against Purdue, Rutgers, and weirdly enough, it did well against Illinois, Minnesota to a certain degree, but the run game has to be better. It has to be better. And then the defense and talent development and identity. These are things that there's less consistency with because it's a new regime. The defense is something that's new. The running backs and the run game and the offensive line, these are not new questions. These are questions we had from last year that are carrying over into this season. Questions that last year were answered with a a nope defensively and talent development and identity. Those are the other two things that have to be addressed. Will the coaching philosophy work? Is the 3-3-5 defense and Wisconsin... They're going to have that same question this season. They're 3-3-5, 2-4-5 defense. Ohio State last year, 
I know they technically ran a 4-2-5, but that hybrid edge position that Jim Knowles is abandoning this year allowed the team to kind of switch into a 3-3-5 when needed, and that defense fell flat on its face when it faced consistent offenses that could run the football and had great offensive lines. And Wisconsin, Iowa, definitely Minnesota are all going to have that. So how will this defensive philosophy work? Will the defensive line and linebacker rooms continue to woefully underperform? Luke Reimer and Nick Henrich both return at linebacker. The defensive line looks to start two freshmen and one transfer in MJ Sherman, according to rlads.com. And talent development and identity. What is Nebraska football's identity in the Matt Rule era? What is it in year one? Do they play to their true identity, the identity they want to have from day one? Or do they work toward that because they think they don't have the players yet to establish their true identity? These are all questions and all things that have to be answered in a positive way if Nebraska wants to play to its key advantages and win the West. The offensive line has to be above average. Maybe it could get away with being average, but to be safe, they have to be above average or better. Defensively, that 3-3-5 defense has to be legit, and you've got to have... The linebacker play has to improve. The defensive line play has to improve, because if it doesn't, if the front six in this 3-3-5 are bad... The 3-3-5 is already going to put you at a disadvantage in defending these against these teams with massive offensive lines. It is. It, it just is. The 3-3-5 is meant to defend against the spread, the air raid, not a ground-and-pound pro-style offense like the ones that Iowa wants to run. Wisconsin, I know they're transforming into an air raid, but they'll still run the football, and they have a good offensive line. And the running back room, the run game, that has to be solid. And talent development, that has to be A-plus if Nebraska wants to win in year one. Identity, there at least has to be some identity that this team has because Scott Frost teams never had an identity outside of losing in close games. So those things have to be resolved, and pretty quickly because Nebraska immediately is faced with a competent opponent. A road game at Minnesota is their opener. But Nebraska has some key advantages. They're not at this massive disadvantage, and not every, not every part of them has questions. Quarterback, I think, is an area where, while of course there are some questions, because Jeff Sims wasn't a Heisman-level quarterback, wasn't even a great quarterback last season, I think with athletes like Jeff Sims and Heinrich Harburg, don't forget Chubba Purdy either, and others who are staying with the program, that you have you have competency there. You have depth. I think Jeff Sims under Marcus Satterfield is going to explode. He's going to be a top 25 quarterback in the nation this season, if not higher. I'm very high on Nebraska's quarterback room. And his mobility, too. Casey Thompson, what he gained in passing acumen that Adrian Martinez lacked, he lost in his ability to run the football because Adrian Martinez was stuck behind the offensive lines that Casey Thompson had last season for four years, and he accumulated like five around 500 yards practically every year of rushing. You have that athleticism back, and I think with better coaching, 
you'll have that mobility that Martinez could provide at moments, but the passing will be more consistent. I think the turnovers, the lack thereof, will be more consistent. And with a wide receiver core that I think pairs well with the quarterback room, there will even be more success in the passing game. Xavier Betts, highly touted recruit out of high school, and guy who's from Nebraska, who was not with the program last season, is returning. And he's projected to start at wide receiver, along with Marcus Washington and Billy Kemp IV. Malachi Coleman is in the two deep. Joshua Fleeks and Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, those three, along with Coleman, obviously, those are the, the, that's the two deep. Those are the backups. And having Isaiah Garcia Castaneda as a backup or Joshua Fleeks or Malachi Coleman, who I think was a top 100, top 150, top 200 player out of high school, I would like to have that. I'd like to have that depth that nearly any Power 5 institution, unless you're Ohio State, Alabama, schools that constantly recruit five-star wide receivers, then maybe you don't need that. But all in all, that I mean, Malachi Foreman's a, Coleman is a four-star. Garcia Castaneda looked really good in the first few games he played as a Husker before entering the portal, and Joshua Fleeks is a veteran from Baylor when Matt Rule was coaching there. And then obviously Billy Kemp IV had a really productive season in 2021 when Robert Anay was the OC, and everything fell apart at Virginia in 2022. Marcus Washington's proven, and I I like it. I like this wide receiver room, the tight end room. Travis Vokalek is, is gone, but Eric Gilbert comes in via the portal. I want to mention that Marcus Washington was second on the team last year in receiving yards with 471. He averaged 15.2 yards per reception with only a long of 33, and he did have one receiving touchdown. And Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, with only five receptions, had 120, 120 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown, averaging 24 yards per reception. His biggest game, obviously, was versus Northwestern, where he caught Nebraska's first touchdown of the entire season. This wide receiver core will be explosive. And finally, the Huskers have an underrated secondary. With plenty of potential at the corner position, and also experience at safety. Both Marquise Buford, Miles Farmer, Omar Brown, Corey Collier, all of those players, those those are the two deep at safety, at strong safety and free safety. All of those players are redshirt sophomores or higher. They have been playing football for three years. And Farmer, Buford, Jr., and Brown are juniors or higher in terms of experience. So the more experience, the better. Buford, Farmer, Brown, these are good players. And then at corner, you have guys with less experience overall, I would say. But Quentin Newsom, Malcolm Hartzog, Isaac Gifford, um, Javier Morton, Tommy Hill, who briefly switched to wide receiver but now looks to be back playing corner, as a backup, these are guys that have very high ceilings. They also have pretty low floors, but they do have high ceilings. Malcolm Herzog led the team in interceptions last season with three. He had two passes defended, 12 solo tackles, 22 total tackles. So 
a lot of production returns at secondary, and I think that the defensive backfield will be the best position on Nebraska's defensive side of the ball. Special teams, too, just want to shout out them. Brian Buschini, the punter, and Timmy Bleakrode, the kicker, both return. So two starters at special teams return, and kick returner looks to be Tommy Hill and Anthony Grant. So special teams, I think, is set along with the secondary and the skill positions for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. There is some other information that I want to discuss with you guys in terms of the roster, returning production, starters, and where I and ESPN have this team. The Huskers return eight starters on both the offense and the defensive side of the ball for a total of 16 returning starters out of the 22 from last season. That, plus transfer portal additions, a lot of which were upgrades, and being number four in returning production in the Big Ten is a total bonus. And a total help to a team that hasn't had an identity, and that has not been tough, and that has not been able to produce winning football for the past half decade. Quarterback, wide receiver, special teams are the obvious strengths of the team. Running back, defensive back, tight end, and the staff, I would say, have extremely high upside. The defensive line, I would say, is this middle-of-the-road, sort of in limbo area, because there will be youth that plays there, but you also have a veteran in Ty Robinson who will be playing up there. And MJ Sherman, who's this hybrid between defensive line and linebacker, but if you're an edge player and you're listed as an edge or a defensive lineman, even if you play hybrid, I'm going to count you as a defensive lineman. He's the reason the D-line's B+. I really am a fan of MJ Sherman. Played in the rotation with Georgia, wasn't going to get a starting position or much playing time, but he has that NFL potential, that all-Big Ten kind of potential. And I think he will have an impact in year one. He could be Nebraska's best defensive player. And that would just go to show how great Georgia's defense is, that one of their backups goes to Nebraska and he's their best defensive player. I mean, what Georgia does defensively is it really is outer-worldly. It's like what Ohio State under Ryan Day has been able to do with quarterbacks and wide receivers. It's outer-worldly. Lose Chris Olave, lose Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith and Jigba is out with injury. Basically lose all three of your starting wide receivers from 2021 for 2022. And Ohio State, their production slides off a teensy, teensy bit. And Marvin Harrison Jr. nearly wins the Bolitnikoff after basically not being known at all until the Rose Bowl game in 2021. And also Emeka Igbuka gets over 1,000 receiving yards. With Georgia's defense, you lose Trayvon Walker. And in comes Jalen Carter. Just plug and play. You know, Keely Ringo, kind of a liability. But overall, the secondary is great, and Keely Ringo gets drafted because he's just physically big. And if he can be developed properly, he'll be one of the better secondary players in the NFL. And Malachi Starks, a true freshman, started in that secondary last season and was phenomenal. So Nebraska is getting players, and some may say this is insulting to Nebraska, but it's really a good thing. 
they're picking up leftovers from some of the nation's better programs. And that's a good thing, because this is a rebuild. This is not you've inherited something good and you're misusing it. You're not recruiting right, and to compensate for that, you're having to use the portal. In retrospect, this is not Nebraska's 2022 recruiting class, where high school recruiting for Scott Frost after 2021 was just a blunder, and they had to make up for it also because he was on the hot seat through the transfer portal. That's not what this is. This is rebuilding. Nebraska also got an offensive lineman in Jacob Hood from Nebraska. Jacob Hood is a big physical tackle. And the fact that Georgia offered him a scholarship and what they've done in the offensive line too is phenomenal. So getting leftovers and getting proven players and getting a starting quarterback who some called the ACC's most athletic quarterback in Jeff Sims, huge plus, massive plus. I'm, I'm, I'm giving props there. I'm going to give props there to Nebraska for doing that. And then at tight end, Eric Gilbert, also from Georgia, but also recruited at LSU. We'll see if he even touches the field. I'm inclined to say he won't. But if he does, and if he can get his act together, he will be an impact player. No doubt about that. So the roster for Nebraska is something that it's going to be a project in year one. But I'm more confident than I am not that they will have an identity in place There will be good playmakers, and this will result in winning football. Nebraska will reach, with its schedule, their first bowl game since 2016. And I don't think they're going 6-6 or 5-7 and and getting in because of a high APR. They're going 7-5. I think that they'll most likely lose to Michigan, Minnesota, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maryland, Illinois, Those are games that could be questionable. Those could be 50-50 games. Same with maybe a road game at Michigan State. Or even hosting a team like Iowa. Where Nebraska beat them last year. They might have a matchup advantage over a more outdated offense like the one Iowa has. But if you want to get my detailed schedule prediction game by game. See what teams are in the green. Which teams are in the red on this schedule. You can go check out my 2023 Big Ten record predictions first edition. The link is down in the description. I am going to do a second edition of this in probably the next month and a half to two months where it will include bowl projections, which I'll also project who's going to win or lose the bowl games, conference championship predictions, college football playoff predictions for the teams in the Big Ten who I think will make the playoff, and score predictions, along with other predictions about specific players. It's going to be a lot more information and a lot of fun, so hit the notification bell and subscribe if you're interested in seeing that video in the future. Nebraska's schedule is not viewed as tough by ESPN. ESPN is significantly lower on basically the entirety of the Big Ten compared to me and compared to many other people, with the exception of Ohio State, and they're not really higher on Ohio State than I am, They just view Ohio State in the same way I do, and everyone else in the Big Ten they view lower. But that's because recruiting, which is understandable, recruiting is the lifeblood of college football as long as you can develop it. So it's understandable, but I think ESPN this year is being disrespectful to the Big Ten. They only have Nebraska's schedules the 61st toughest in the country projected. 
The strengths of this team are going to be their speed, explosiveness, discipline. They will be aggressive both offensively and defensively. Their weakness, though, is they're going to be smaller than a lot of their Big Ten opponents. They're going to be smaller than Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan for sure. And don't forget Minnesota either. Those four teams, Nebraska, will definitely be smaller. There will be a physical difference that is noticeable from your TV screen for those teams. And then for Illinois, for Maryland, for Michigan State, those are teams that might have a size advantage, might have a physicality advantage. I know for Illinois, I think that they're definitely going to have a size advantage, but I don't know. I think they might lack speed compared to a team like Nebraska. And then Michigan State and Maryland might have better athletes. I know Maryland definitely will have better speed, but I don't know if they'll be as big. And that's an interesting thing regarding Nebraska because Scott Frost could recruit athletes. He had fast players. But the problem with running the no-huddle spread option, an offense that basically relies on speed and schematics, is when it meets up against a big physical team that also has speed, it's crushed. Go watch the 2014 Oregon-Ohio State national title game where Ohio State with much more NFL players, but probably a less impressive offensive scheme, just totally decked Oregon in that game, winning 42-20. to I have Nebraska in my potential power index 28th. I don't have Nebraska in my top 25. And if I were to rank all power five teams... Without power rankings, I'd probably have them lower than my power ranking system does, which has Nebraska 28th. ESPN's FPI has them at 52nd, so I'm significantly higher on Nebraska by about 24 places, according to my power index, as according to ESPN's FPI. We'll see how that works, though. I think that the ceiling of this team is 10-4, and four, reaching the Big Ten championship game, losing a few regular season games, Obviously losing an Indy, I don't think this team will be able to beat Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State in Indy. Their floor is going 5-7, and seven, nearly reaching bowl eligibility, but just missing out. So the way Nebraska can win the Big Ten West in year one is having a great offensive line, a great run game, having an identity, and a defense that is well-developed enough to be stout and... All of those things. That's what it will require, and we'll see if Matt Rule can do that. Thank you guys for watching. If you like this video, hit that like button and comment your thoughts down below. And don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell. Have a great day, guys.